Hey everybody, welcome to the Legacy Podcast. My name is Bill Dupenthaler. And I'm Mike Conan, and this is a podcast for disciples who want to make disciples. Well, hello everybody. It's Bill Dupenthaler here with Mike Conan. And we are so glad that you're here. We're so appreciative of, of the fact that you are listening right now with us. And and uh, if you've been listening the, the past few weeks, you'd know that we are going through and, and looking at this incredible book called The Master Plan of Evangelism, written by Robert Coleman. And and uh, the reason we're, we're doing essentially kind of a book study is uh, this book, Master Plan of Evangelism, it is really just an incredible look at the four Gospels and, and really asking the question, so what did Jesus really do during those three years of his, of his uh, ministry on earth? And what can we learn from what he did? And, and how can that help us to be uh, disciples who make disciples? Mike, you want to add to that in, in terms of the introduction here? Well, I, I, I've enjoyed the book, going through it again. I think both of us have read it numerous times. But it's been, it's one of those books, too, that it's a good size book for people who may not read a lot, but you could read this book and and really walk away with, uh, it, it seems like it's really power-packed and summarizes a lot of what we feel called to uh, lead people into, which is disciple-making. So I, I, yeah. I've really enjoyed it. It's been good. Yeah, yeah. So the... The first week we talked about this this process of Jesus selecting people and and the fact that he called people and, and he didn't call everyone, but he had a he had a group of people that 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 he prayed and the Lord led him to these people and so he kind of talks about that and then the second uh, week last week we talked about this idea of that he called them to be with him and so. We, so we talked about this idea of as we as as disciples who make disciples, if we're investing in 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 some some people and we're we're and we're mentoring or discipling, that it it's it takes time. It's not it's not like you don't just like teach a a, a little uh, thirty minute Bible study every couple of weeks. I mean it's it's about spending time with people and and certainly about spending time with Jesus. And so that's what we talked about last week. And today the topic is maybe not as fun as the idea of like hanging out with Jesus, uh, yeah. which is super cool, but um it's the fact that you don't spend too much time with Jesus before he starts saying, "Now you know, uh there's more to it than just us hanging out. As a matter of fact, uh, he called people to be obedient. Yeah, yeah. And so this this idea of, yes, I love God, I love Jesus, and I want to follow him, that goes hand in hand with the idea of, oh, and by the way, when he speaks and he asks you to do things... Uh, you obey. He's the master, we're the servants. And that's the topic for today. And not not quite so fun. You know, it's interesting, Bill, that you introduce it that way, because I, uh, you know, was a pastor for years. And so I didn't get to visit a lot of churches. And over the last few months with my role at Legacy, I've been visiting more churches. And it strikes me that the American church today, what we have done 
is in some ways great because we're trying to see as many people meet Jesus as possible. But what we've done is we've created a human-centered gospel. We've created a human-centered world where every worship song is about what God can do for me. Uh, every sermon in some way or another uh, that I've heard seems to be some way <laughs> or another what God could do for me. Uh, now, that's that's not really fair or true to my brothers who are preaching because they are preaching the gospel in many cases and those things. But as I, especially the worship music I have found in almost every church is much, much more human-centered than God-centered. And, <laughs> yeah. and so I think this topic is going to be a little bit challenging for, for those who've just been attending churches for a while. And again, I raise my hand as a pastor who says, yes, I, I, me too. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not better or worse. Because the challenge is you want people to come to your church. And if they can go to another church where somebody's going to tell them how much God loves them and, and, and all that God can do for them, uh, that's going to be more appealing than if you tell them, no, you need to change your life. Uh, that's that's a little bit less appealing, you know. And yeah, maybe yeah. that's the temptation. I don't know, um, but it's certainly, like you said, and in, in your introduction, the call of Jesus does does not seem to be uh, as human centered initially as we might think it would be. Uh, yeah, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not human centered. It's just not the the the, the initial call is not that. Yeah, one of my favorite um, little scenes in in uh, the Gospels is after Jesus' death and resurrection, the story of of doubting Thomas and and Thomas missed the first time that Jesus visited the disciples, and um, and when when he arrived later on, uh, the 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 other disciples said, "Thomas, you missed it. Jesus was here." And and he's alive. It's incredible. And 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 you all know what what Thomas's response was. He essentially said, "Well, I, I don't know, you guys. I, I I don't know if I really am fully in on that. I don't know if I if I fully believe that." And uh, and so he he unfortunately <laughs> is forever named doubting Thomas. But but uh, later on in the story, uh, he's Thomas is in the room and Jesus appears again and Jesus has this amazing uh loving but yet firm conversation with Thomas and 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 he essentially says okay Thomas here you go you know what, you know now uh do you believe and and um the bible doesn't say this but i imagine that Thomas probably fell at his feet and 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 maybe head down but uh, but Thomas's response was, he said, "My Lord and my God." My well, and I Lord love and the language God. that Jesus uses there too, because he's pretty. He's I've, I've used this many times when I'm preaching on Easter, uh, so I'm very familiar with it. But he uses that. Jesus actually says to him, "The time for doubting is done, Thomas. It's time to believe." Uh, wow! And it's just, I'm I'm overstating it a little bit, but it's that bold. It's okay. Yeah. I, I'll let you have your doubts, but now, no, you need to move on. It's it's time to believe. Um, yeah, and yeah. I, I so I good word though. Great, great, awesome moment when he he had he's faced with who's the Lord, and it's Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I think for Thomas, that was that moment in his life 
when I mean he was all in before he was following Jesus for the last three years, but but I, but something changed at that moment I think for him, and and for the rest of his life, it was no longer just I'm following Jesus and he's my savior. From that moment on, he was Lord. He was God, and and I think that's uh, that's a key question for people. And I, I hope somebody listening to this. Uh, today is going to is going to hear this conversation and think, wow, I don't know if I've moved beyond Jesus as my Savior to Jesus is my Lord and my God. Yeah, well, you know, it, it seems like, you know, it's hard to be judgmental of people, and we want to be pretty careful about that. We don't know what's in people's hearts or minds or, or wills right. in those things, right? But but there does, you know, Jesus is both. He is our Savior. Yes, um, we need Him. Yes, without Him, we are dead in our sins and trespasses and separated from God, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, the wrath mm-hmm. of God is upon us. Uh, whatever, however you want to think about it, uh, we are in a really terrible spot because of who we are and what we've done, and our ancestors and what they've done. And Christ coming and redeeming us is the central story of the scriptures and it's the secret mission it's it's all awesome and powerful and yes god does love us yes he does love us in spite of who we are not because of what we've done um and and so there's something really powerful about that savior part that we could never let go of i mean right right you know we're we're not just saved for eternity but we're saved every day because of the sin in us so it's it is an ongoing thing but you're right. There, there is that moment though where Jesus is also Lord, and we've talked about this before. The number one used word used to describe followers of Jesus is not Christian; it is servants. Uh, and so that's that's the way it was understood. Yeah. And the number one word for Jesus was Lord. Uh, and so that's the that's the dynamic of the relationship: Lord, servant, and yeah. th- that that also is, I think, the mark of somebody who is moving towards a faith that is is from the infant phase into the mature phase is that they yeah. are understanding that, boy, I don't just need Jesus to save me. I, I want to follow Jesus with every part of who I am. Yeah. 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 You know, another aspect of that, is he savior or is he Lord? And the answer is he's both. Uh, but another aspect of it too, and, and I think this is another pretty big misconception out there because I've heard it a lot is, is the idea of, grace versus earning your salvation. And so I think a lot of people have this misconception that this idea of obedience is somehow tied to your acceptance by God. And 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 that certainly is not true either. Well, you know, Bill, it's funny you mentioned that because I was going to talk about that too. We didn't even talk about this, but I've always had a hard time with the word obedience for that very reason. Uh, I will never yeah. forget sitting in somebody's living room who was someone who I dearly loved as a pastor and having the person say to me, you know, the hardest part about following Jesus, Mike, is, you know, I could die someday and have committed a sin and then I wouldn't get to go into heaven. And and oh I thought gosh. Oh my gosh. Like and and there are certainly religions like that. Mormonism is one that is a very works based uh religion. Christianity yep. is not uh, and right. Christianity is a grace-based religion where we get things in spite of our works. And and so right. obedience, 
uh, I think we all have a, a natural tendency to um, either uh, towards, um, I guess we would call it, you know, self-righteousness or, or whatever you would want to think of it. Sometimes we obey for the wrong reasons, to earn uh, our standing before God. Most of the time, self-righteousness, though, is, is for others, and so that we can feel better about ourselves compared to other people. And so obedience is a hard word, for sure. Yeah. Um, for uh, It has a lot of baggage, and it has a lot of baggage with me. And I mean, I, I, I could tell you story after story about works-based uh, people who have their relationship with God based upon their performance, and they assume God loves them better when they're performing better, and that's just not true. Uh, God couldn't love you anymore. It's not possible. The righteousness of Christ has been credited to you. He no longer looks and says, oh, man, Bill, how was your performance today? I'm trying to figure out if I'm gonna, how much I'm going to love you or not. Uh, that's, yeah. that's not possible anymore. And so it is tricky, right? Yeah, yeah. So that, I, I guess, sort of leads to the question then. So if, if we've been saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. And we know that it is purely his gift to us. So we've been saved, forgiven our sins, past, present, future. Um, then what's the big deal with obedience? Why, why even bother with that? We're not earning our salvation. So why is it such a big deal for us to be obedient? You know, it's fascinating, uh, and I, I know you have your, your thoughts on this, too. A um, couple of things that stand out, and, and I'm, I'm just, uh, have studied the topic like many have, and uh, <laughs> traditionally, gratitude has been uh, p- what people look at as, as the number one reason for obedience. So we're so thankful for what Christ has done for us uh, that we would obey. Um, and the the challenge with that is it can create kind of like a debtor's ethic almost like okay because Jesus did this now you have to do that and so it, it undermines grace in some ways i'm i'm not quite in that camp but i think gratitude is a great reason uh to obey when someone does something nice for me i want to do something nice for them mm-hmm. uh but i will tell you that is not my reason for obedience uh my obedient reason for obedience is quite simply learning to trust in the goodness of god uh, in other words, obeying Jesus is the best thing for us in the world. Um, right. Uh, I tell the story sometimes, and I'll tell it now briefly. Like, uh, imagine, Bill, you are, you're trapped on a desert island. And this is graphic, I apologize, but I, it's the best way I can think of it. And all that was there and available for you to wipe with was poison ivy. Uh, and so you're wiping all the time with poison ivy. And initially it feels good, but then you know, it, it leaves a rash and it leaves an itch and it is terrible. And so some people think of sin like that, you know, it's, it's, it's created this, it feels good initially, but then it just creates more pain, more struggle. And then the story of the gospel could be that Jesus comes and he gives you an ointment that, that cures your, you know, itchiness. Um, but I think that the story of the gospel, you know, <laughs> goes beyond that to say, and Jesus also brought toilet paper. You know, and so now you don't have to walk in that pain and misery anymore. Uh, he's given us a new life, and the Holy Spirit comes into us when we obey and follow Him. And all of a sudden, we can walk in goodness and in life, and we can discover what we're really made for. So, when I think of why we would obey, it's because 
God loved us and he shows his love to us in his goodness and we get this chance to walk in him. And again, sorry for the graphic story, but I think sometimes those <laughs> things really help us understand, you know, how we can think about things in a backwards way. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, here's another uh, analogy, maybe a, a, maybe a bit less... Uh, um, <laughs> personal than that one. But, but good job. Well, I, definitely that's memorable. Uh, but uh, uh, many of us have, have been on hikes before. And, and, uh, and, and uh, I, uh, a, a number of years ago, uh, went on a, 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 a we, we climbed, um, what the heck, what mountain was that? Uh, Mount Baker. And, and, um, and we got up to a certain point and, and the guy that was leading us, our guide, said okay when we we're going to now be crossing this ice field and and it's possible that there could be some crevasses and and by the way if you were to slip on this ice field it would be very difficult to stop yourself and and you would you would likely go tumbling down into those rocks below and it would not be good and so here's what we're going to do and he gave us some instructions on how to cross this ice field well i'll tell you what Everyone was pretty darn obedient. Yeah. And, and uh, if you were smart, you were obedient and listened to your guide because he had the experience and the wisdom to know best how to cross that ice field. And I, and I like that analogy in terms of like, why obey? Because he created us, he created the world. And like you said, Mike, he knows the very, very best way for us to walk through this world. Well, and if we take it back to the book, there's a couple of quotes here. One that you highlight, I thought that was really good. It says, in time, obedient followers invariably take on the character of their leader. And, you know, if as we think about Christ and we think about how great he is, he gives us this awesome opportunity to follow in his footsteps. And that's a great image that you have there, you yeah. know, following in the footsteps. Don't go here because that could be a problem. Follow in my footsteps and you'll be okay. I love that image. Yeah. Well, you know, another thought that I just had as you were saying that and, and, and thinking about that quote uh, from the book uh, is, you know, you and I are both uh, big football fans. Yeah. And, and, uh, and it's interesting in the NFL and they and they talk about this a lot. The different commentators do about how different teams tend to take on the characteristics of their coach and oftentimes their quarterback. Yeah. And and uh, and, and think about the Seattle Seahawks, our favorite team. I yeah. mean, it's so true. When you look at at the Seattle Seahawks, they 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 so much have taken on the the, the characteristics of Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson positive, upbeat, we can do this, you know, all those kinds of things. And so that it, it's so true. Uh, you know, you take on the characteristics of, of your leader. Right. And you can't win a game till the fourth quarter, so they don't start playing until then. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you're not a Seahawks fan, you may not get that joke, but that's okay. <laughs> but that's definitely one of the characteristics of, of Pete Carroll's philosophy. You win the game in the fourth quarter, but that's right. There's so, not, so geez, go ahead. Why don't you read that other quote, Bill? I think that that would be a good one to kind of end this this little section with too. The old patterns, yeah. So, so this is from, from uh, uh, page fifty and fifty one in the book. Uh, it says the old patterns, habits, and pleasures of the world had to be conformed to the new disciplines of the kingdom of God. 
Perfection of love was now the only standard of conduct. Perfection of love was now the only standard of conduct. And this love was to manifest itself in obedience to Christ and express in devotion to those whom he died to save. There was a cross in it, the willing denial of self for others. Wow, it's crazy. Well, I love that quote because it kind of talks about how everything is interconnected. Uh, There's a new standard and it's love. And love personified is Christ. And who did Christ love? He loved the people who were already a part of what he was doing, but he also loved those who were not yet a part. And so there's this sense where as we follow Christ and the standard is now showing his love to the world, beginning with those closest to us and moving out, it's, it's a pretty powerful call of obedience. And love and obedience go hand in hand. I was thinking about John 14. If you love me, obey me. And I will ask mm. the Father, and he will give you another comforter, and he will never leave you. And then it goes on to say in verse 21, The one who obeys me is the one who loves me. And because he loves me, my Father will love him, and I will too. And I will reveal myself to him. Uh, and, and again, it's Jesus understood this quite simply as, hey, If I'm just your Savior, you really don't love me. You just want something from me. Yeah, But if I'm your Lord, then you love me, and you'll love me by following me and doing what I command you to do. And I, yeah. I think that's a good summary of, of the challenge of discipleship. Yeah, yeah. You know, the interesting thing, not the interesting thing, but <laughs> an interesting thing about this whole thing, though, as I was thinking about this, and, and he talks about this in, in, in Master Plan of Evangelism, that, that uh, in the beginning, Jesus... The, the the call of Jesus was was fairly simple. It was come follow me, come yeah. follow me, come follow me over and over again. Mm-hmm. And and um, I think we as 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 disciples who want to make disciples, we have to think about you know how do we make disciples? How do we bring the message of Jesus to a lost world? Uh, and, a, and a world that that needs to hear the good news of of his grace and his love and all those kinds of things. It's it's pretty easy to 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 um, you know like a car salesman sell the sizzle. You know, hey, it's a great it's it is love, joy, peace, and you get to go to heaven too. And 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 I, I think there's there's kind of a there, there can be a tendency to oversell in a sense that part of it. Yeah, uh, and 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 not tell the other half of the story, and and I and I guess you know it's and having been involved with young life for so long and talking to teenagers about Jesus for for all those years, I mean it is a real balance to because you don't necessarily have to tell people you know in the beginning when when you're just talking to them about. You know, you know they need Jesus, and we want them to to see how good He is, and, and what what it would look like to follow Him. We don't necessarily need to tell them. And by the way, it may cost you your life, and it's going to be really, really hard at times. Um, but at the same time, Jesus He invited people to follow Him, but He never promised them an easy road either. Yeah. Well, I I think the part that stands out to me the most is when. 
I, I don't remember. I think it was a man who had, had said, what, you know, something along the lines, well, I will follow you. And Jesus basically tries to get him not to follow him by telling him how hard it's going to be. And one of the lines yeah. he uses is that, you know, birds have nests, foxes have dens, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. And I will tell you, up until these last two years, you know, where we've been back home in Gig Harbor, that's how our life has felt. You know, we've been going from city to city, uh, you know, strangers moving in and not really having a home. Uh, in some way, I could really relate to that story because you're giving up everything. You're giving up your your right for whatever you think you might have a right to, to follow who at the time of Jesus's ministry was a homeless man. I mean, people don't recognize that Jesus was essentially homeless for three years. I mean, the the story is that he and his disciples would travel from place. To, and as Jesus is saying, hey, foxes and birds have places, but not me. So if you want to yeah. follow me, this is the path. Uh, it really makes you think for a moment, wait a minute, I don't get to have the, you know, nice house, the 2.5 children and the the high paying job necessarily and and all the prestige and the community. Um, Jesus never promises any of that stuff. That's the American dream. That is not the way of Christ. And I'm not saying all those things are bad. I'm just saying the way of Christ is much more of the, Hey, you're going to give up everything to follow me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I don't think I I'm quite sure that even from personal experience that, that the Lord only gives us what we can handle, and and he continues the process of giving us more and more, which another reason to be obedient is as you're obedient with the things that the Lord's given you, then he can give you more, and he yeah. can reveal more of his purpose for your life and, and more of who he is. Uh, and and um, so it's it's it maybe starts off with a simple. I know it did for me a simple yes, Lord. I wanna I wanna follow you. I wanna have you in my life. And I I didn't really fully. None of us did understand what that really meant as time uh, was going to go on. But uh, but but as we're obedient and we begin walking. Uh, it does become more and more difficult, and you, you start off in the shallow water, and it gets deeper and deeper and deeper, and and pretty soon you're out over your head, and and your only hope is to keep your eyes on Jesus. Well, and a, another way to look at it too is quite simply: there's a lot of idols in your life. There's a lot of things that you've decided your life is going to revolve around that are not Christ. I'll never forget a guy came to to Jesus and started following Jesus in my church, and after three months he. I saw him somewhere and he met with him. He said, I, I don't know, Mike, about this whole Jesus thing. Ever since I started following him, my life's been falling apart. And, uh, <laughs> and then it's that moment where you're like, oh my gosh, it does work that way. The Lord doesn't promise you that when you start following him, everything in your life's going to come together the way you want it to. Uh, right. He, he right. does promise that it will come together the way that he wants it to and for, towards his greater purposes. But it's not easy from our perspective. It's hard. No. No, no. Well, I think about the um, his encounter with the rich young ruler, and and this guy he had it all: influence, power, money, uh, and and uh, and I mean, this would be like the the key guy you'd love to have in your church, man. This guy, man, if he's yeah. there, oh man, if he's there, he's gonna this is gonna be uh, uh, a great thing for our church, and and uh, and Jesus calls him to follow him. 
and and uh, and the guy's like, yeah, I, I mean, I've 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 been a good person, and 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 I've done all these things, and here's all my qualifications, and and then Jesus said, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, okay, so just one thing is left. Just sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and then and then come follow me, and and it'll be great. And and um, <laughs> you know, and and you know the story. I mean, the guy. It, it says it says when he heard that, he he he, he dropped his head, and and he essentially said, "I can't do that," and yeah. he walked away. And then the crazy thing is, Jesus ran after him and said, "Okay, okay, okay, it's all right. I didn't mean that. Uh, you don't have to sell everything. Just, just come on, be a part of the team, and 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 we'll see what happens." No, obviously, I'm joking. Uh, Jesus let him walk away. Yeah, and that's hard. Well, that's hard. It, it's a good line here from the book too. It says this: "It might seem easy at first to accept the invitation to follow, but the further you follow, the more difficult it becomes." Yeah. challenges, obedience, faith, etc. You had to surrender your whole life to Christ. Yeah. 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 Think about um uh Luke 16:13 said no one can serve two masters. And boy isn't that true? And isn't it true that we in 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 our lives we we try to do that so often <laughs> without even knowing it sometimes. Without I would even, even say most it, yeah. of the time. Most of the time, we yeah. don't even recognize it until we, we, someone points it out to us. Of course, the easiest way to know who you're serving is to look at your checkbook and look at your t- calendar. That's the easiest way to figure out who you're serving. You yeah. know, those, those two yeah. things, uh, where you spend your time, where you spend your treasure, uh, that, that's going to tell me right away who's Lord of your life. Um, and yeah. that, that's pretty simple. Um, you know, as, as we read this, though, you, you, you might think, well, dang. <laughs> is anybody going to measure up here? Is anybody going to be be good enough? Like, and I mean, Jesus is demanding a lot, and obedience is difficult. Um, yeah. But one of the other things that I think that Coleman points out that's a really positive thing for us today is, yes, Jesus does demand 100% obedience, but he is simultaneously gracious. And that's right. I, I think that's that's something for us to really hold on to. Yeah, you know that's, and I'm glad you mentioned that, and and I think that's that's uh, maybe kind of a good point to kind of kind of wind down this discussion for today. Uh, but it's that idea that that yes, we are loved by Him, and 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 He, <laughs> I like this quote from page 54 of the book: Jesus patiently endured these human failings of His chosen disciples, because in spite of all their shortcomings, they were willing to follow Him. And, and I mean, that gives me a lot of hope Yeah, you know, because, oh my gosh, you, you know, we, we fail a lot. I, I love that image too, of the Lord looking at their willingness to follow him. In other words, they're going in the, the general direction. And even though they may not do it perfectly, uh, and the Lord always has to bring them back on the road, at least they want to go in his direction. You know, and so that that says to me, that's how the mark of somebody who's saved. People ask me all the time, how do you know if you're saved? And I tell them, you don't know if you're saved by some feeling in your heart or something that comes out of your mouth. Yeah. Um, Because you just don't know. I I don't know. I don't get to judge other people. But I can tell you is what I've seen in my own life and what I see in the scriptures is if you find yourself continually being brought back to the ways of the Lord over and over and over again, 
that's the best way to know that you are saved, is that the Holy Spirit continues to bring you back on track uh, in grace, in mercy, but also in truth. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also we are called to something that's so huge and so important that that um, that we get to be a part of what Jesus and what the Lord is doing in the world. And I think that's, um, you know, again, this idea of grace and we're loved, but it's so important for us to obediently follow the Lord. And let me just end with this quote from page 58. It says, we must learn this lesson again today. There can be no dilly-dallying with the commands of Christ. <laughs> That's a great line, isn't it? I love that line. There can be line. no dilly-dallying with the commands of Christ. We are engaged in warfare, the issues of which are life and death, and every day that we are indifferent to our responsibilities is a day lost to the cause of Christ. Wow. Wow. You know, so this is a huge deal, and... and uh, Man, I, I, I love that chapter, even though it's it's not easy, but it, it this is a huge deal and it's a it's a great reminder that he's the Lord, he's the master, he's the guide, he's the creator, he's the general, he's the king, and and we get the great privilege as flawed humans to be saved by grace and forgiven. Uh, and loved, and yet have the opportunity to to serve him to the very best of our ability every single day, and and to to listen and and obey as much as we can, and know that there's grace when we fail, but but uh, continue to get up and and continue to keep our eyes on Jesus and follow him. Well, Mike, any last thoughts before we close up here? Well, just as you were saying that last bit, I 100% agree. And at the same time, there's the other part too that's so good. We not only labor under the king and the ruler of all, but he is good. And he is the bringer of light to the world. And as we follow yeah. him, we are good. And we are the people who bring light to the world. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that's the, the centerpiece of it all. I love this little line here too that... Uh, to just end it and um, from my thought it is not our duty to reason why he speaks as he does but only to carry out his orders yeah, and yeah. that's a great summary of our broken condition and the Lord is good and the Lord is light and yeah. whatever the Lord is calling us to do that's goodness that's light even if it doesn't we don't understand it or see it it doesn't matter we have to trust yeah. in his goodness yeah that's such a great reminder yeah he's he's the good king he's the best guide. Yeah. He's the best coach. He is good. He is good all the time. Amen. So, yeah. Amen. Well, you guys, thanks for listening, and we appreciate it so much. Thanks for supporting Legacy. Uh, if you are not supporting Legacy yet, uh, please check out our website, OurTrueLegacy.com, OurTrueLegacy.com, and and consider supporting uh, what we're doing, uh, both financially and in prayer. 
and and also just in terms of just getting the word out on what we're doing, we really appreciate you telling people about this podcast, giving us a five star review, uh, reposting uh, what we're doing, uh, anything you can do to help get the word out about this because we really believe that that this message is so important. So thanks again, you guys. Uh, we love you, and let's go be disciples who make disciples. Amen. Amen. Amen.